I'm Evelyn, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. I know there is a lot of fun space news these days. However, I want to take a moment to discuss one of the most important land surveying devices ever created, the Theatolite. Recently, I was reviewing a geoprocessing tool with a student in the Esri platform called Distance and Direction. This got me thinking about the history of distance and bearings, which led me to do a little research on the Theatolite. For those geospatial professionals who are not land surveyors, Wikipedia describes a theatolite as a precision optical instrument used for measuring angles between designated visible points in both the horizontal and vertical planes. While extensively used in geodetic measurement, the device has also been used for building and infrastructure construction. The device consists of a rotating mounted telescope. The telescope provides angular readouts, allowing the user to determine the distance and bearing relationships from the original point measured in the sample. The angle measurements are highly precise, with spatial accuracies good to seconds of an arc. That's pretty tight. It is important to note that an optical level is not a theatolite, however. This is because a optical level only measures the horizontal plane. This exciting technology has empowered geoholics for centuries. Leonard Diggs, in 1571, is credited for mentioning the device for the first time in his published manuscript, a textbook called A Geometric Practice Named Pantumtria. While the origin of the name Theatolite is not concretely known, the origin may be Greek in nature, translating to to clearly behold or look at something attentively. Pretty amazing mathematical technology, if you ask me. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Hello, Geoholics. This is a trigger warning. Today's podcast discusses sensitive mental health issues. The views of our hosts and guests are personal views and should not be construed as medical advice. If you are suffering or feel triggered from today's discussion, please know that mental health is not something to be afraid or ashamed of and seek the appropriate medical health that best suits you. We love you all and thanks for listening. I'm on an island Even when you're close I'm feeling it, buddy Yeah, you feeling it? We'll do a Lippa Yeah? Super stoked about that tonight it's not, it's not Dua Lipa, Kent. It is Dua Lipa. Well, you say what you say. I say what I say. I mean, get a little bit of culture here. No, I am not. I mean, not. this is a very, very it's just, well-known. It's not my vibe. International artist. Not my vibe. So, But we're going to go with it because our guest is like huge Dua Lipa fan. So super excited about that. Absolutely. All I want to say is I love Ron Nelms. The guy crushed it last week. Great episode. Yes, he did. Tons of traction. So much wisdom shared. Um, I want to write a book right now, and I used to be really scared about it, and now I'm slightly less scared. Everybody should write a book. I, I agree. 
Yeah, you got to start somewhere. And uh, he was pretty inspirational, no doubt about it. Great story. But I just want to remind people, support Ron and order his book. Uh, I posted a link to his book on uh, on all our social media posts and stuff like that. So help the guy out and order his book. It's a great read. Real quick, intro to this week's cast of characters. Of course, myself, Kent. I am here driving the ship. Producer Sean's here, of course. How are you, my friend? Hello, hello. I'm doing very well. Uh, getting ready to go on vacation uh, Friday? Leaving Friday. Leaving Friday. I think we had that conversation last week. Weren't you going to go last week? Yeah, there was some uh, COVID complications COVID with complications, our destination and the uh, family we were staying with. Um, but we were luckily enough to move our trip a week and all is good. And, and COVID is out of the house now. You're good out of the house. Uh, it was actually on the other end, but, uh, yep, we're, we're good and clean. They're good and clean. We're ready to go. Fantastic. We also have survey geek girl, PETA. How are you, PETA? Hello, I'm getting over a cold from last week. So, oh my um, goodness, yeah, I'm Every, here. <laughs> everybody's getting sick these days. Jeez, I know, I know. Jeez. two weeks in a row. I don't know what to do. It's that's like yeah. PETA overload. I know. We'll be all right. You're so lucky, aren't you? We are indeed for sure. And we have Ryan Swingley. <laughs> Ryan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. Sitting down here in my basement on COVID protocol right now. And Ryan has oh, COVID. Look at that. So we have somebody that has the flu, somebody that has COVID. I believe we're going to find out here in a minute that our guests this evening have strep. So this is going to be a great show. I can't wait for this. And we're going to introduce our guests here in just a few minutes. Before we get to that, producer Sean, tell us about that opening number. Uh, yes. Believe it or not, that is not Dua Lipa. That is Dua Lipa. Song called We're Good. <sighs> She is an English singer and songwriter, possessing a mezzo-soprano vocal range. What she is that? Is, what is mezzo-soprano? I don't know, but it weren't sounds in, amazing. Weren't you in band or something? I, I do know not what know what soprano what that is. is, but I'm not it's sure about medium me- to high range. There you go. Yeah. Our I guest is so smart. She is known for her signature disco <laughs> pop sound. Lipa has received numerous accolades, including six Brit Awards, three Grammy Awards, two MTV Europe Music Awards, and an MTV Video Music Award, two Billboard Music Awards, an American Music Award, and two Guinness World Records, those being one in 2020 for the most tickets sold for a live-streamed concert by a solo female artist, very specific, and the other in 2021 for the most monthly listeners on Spotify for a female artist. Uh, I'm speechless. I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to music, you know, kind of classic rock, maybe some 80s alternative, a little punk here and there. This is completely out of my range, no doubt about it. But I can confirm, doing some research, I saw that she has 72 million monthly listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a song called One Kiss, I believe, if I remember right. It has over 1 billion downloads. That's that is, amazing. That is a lot. So two of my favorite bands... Night Spins and The Black Moods, right? Night Spins, 17,000 monthly listeners. The Black Moods, 45,000 monthly listeners. How does that happen? How do these great bands not have 72 million monthly listeners? I do not know how to answer answer that question. Uh, Let's see. Just the the sheer volume of 1 billion downloads. You think, what, half of the world has the ability to download and so they're choosing like three, Dua Lipa. That's like three and a half billion. And yeah. of that, like 40% have downloaded this one artist. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is it amazing? I don't know what it is. It's indescribable. But anyways, let's move on with this. Diamondback Land Surveyor studio, Land Surveying Studio. Happy to be here. Uh, thanks to Trent Keenan, of course, for his continued generous support. Uh, breaking news. And Sean, I haven't even told you about this yet. What? Yes. More work for you. The Kent and Trent Show. Is gonna happen. What? 
It's going to happen. I talked to Trent earlier this week. We're going to do like a half hour Facebook live. We're thinking every Friday morning, the Kent and Trent show. Pretty Uh, catchy, right? uh, It is catchy. And I'm just curious on what what this is going to be. And are you going to do it Friday mornings? I think a Friday morning, yeah. Okay. Just for 30 minutes. Okay. It won't have to be in the studio. We'll be able to do it from wherever. It's just going to be a Facebook live thing. All right. It's going to be freaking hilarious. I am very excited. I'm sure you are. Because <laughs> it adds more work for you. That is not correct. Really, not really. It'll be just fine. Um, I want to remind people. It's a Facebook live, but wouldn't they? Yeah. No, it'll be easy. It'll be easy. Just hit, just hit start. It'll be fine. Boom. Sure. Go. Um, TK, one thing I want to mention, and I had a reminder this week, he actually takes the time to... Oh, he, this is amazing. He handpicks Geoholics episodes, and he writes articles based on the content of the episodes, and then he publishes them. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's incredible. I what saw this, this today. I was, I was blown away that there are abstracts written yes. in words. Yes. Very, I mean, it looks very professional, and you look up there, and it is based on the episode... You know, 97 of yes. the Geoholics podcast. Yes. It's pretty amazing. Unbelievable. Pretty amazing. So Trent, just a great guy, of course. Uh, shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program being Monson Engineering. Uh, we didn't really prep for this. Peta, do you have this or would you like uh, Sean to take this one? Nah, it's good. I got it. I got it. Go for so it. So Monson uh, Engineering has been supplying the design build industry with the highest quality measurement solution since 1974. They pride themselves in being one of your one-stop shop throughout all phases of your project planning to completion. They provide the latest cutting-edge design build equipment, including Trimble and Spectra Precision GPS, or Teledane <laughs> Optical, geez, I should have read this, 3D scanners, tiny mobile robots, automated layout, Dell Air and DJI UAVs and Topcon lasers. Monson Engineering is the leading supplier of products for the design build industry in the Intermountain West with offices located in SLC, UT, as well as LV and Reno NV. <laughs> Check awesome. them out at monsonengineering.com and be sure to let them know that you're a geoholic. So it's so funny <laughs> to me. PETA, obviously being in Australia, doesn't know that SLC <laughs> is Salt Lake City, Utah, no. and Las LV being Las Vegas. Las but, Vegas? Yes. I kind of knew that one. Yes, yes, Las you Vegas. write them out for me if I'm going to have to read out names. A mental note made. For future, no doubt about it. Unfortunate story. Their shop in Las Vegas burnt down like what? six months ago. Yeah. The whole thing, the whole thing just burnt down. It was crazy. Yeah. I was talking about the surveyors conference, I don't know, back in whenever that was, January or February. And uh, yep, no shit. They had a bunch of batteries on charge, overheated, and uh, burnt the whole thing down. Crazy. That's what insurance is for, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Liquid Death's weekly words of wisdom. Sean's favorite part of the show. It really is. Here we go. Um, Here's our quote. It's fitting for the topic of this evening's show. Uh, Mm -hmm. If we start being honest about our pain, our anger, and our shortcomings, instead of pretending they don't exist, then maybe we'll leave the world a better place than we found it. None other than Denver quarterback Russell Wilson. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Who knew? Mr. Ciara. (laughs) (laughs) 
but very fitting for uh, this evening's show, and let's get on with that. Uh, our guest this evening is Elise Michaels, and here's a little bit about Elise before we loop her into this. She grew up in Wisconsin, and she's lived in California, Florida, and various countries outside of the U.S. We'll ask her here in a bit where she is at this present time. Sure. Her hobbies include working out, hanging at the beach, and creating constant content, which I love. Mm. Elise is a men's mental health coach that helps men heal subconscious trauma to become their most passionate, authentic, spiritually aligned selves. That's going to be the topic of our main conversation this evening. Something she's most proud of is that she's helped over 100 men heal from trauma, as well as collaborating with large audiences and hosting the Year of the Man Summit 2022. Very curious about that. Of course, her passions include anything mental health, as she loves to help heal from unnecessary pain. Of course, you can follow her on LinkedIn at Elise Michaels, Genuine Messages Daily. I was going to say Massages Daily, but that was <laughs> Elise, thank you so much for uh, taking time to join the Geoholics this evening. Genuine massages daily. <laughs> That's a different career path. Totally different career path. Yeah, no doubt about it. But thank oh, you for man. being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So we usually do an icebreaker about this time, and we're going to just like normal, and sure. we call it the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker because we got to pay all the bills, of course. And our 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 icebreaker for this evening is. What was your favorite television show as a kid? Elise, what was your favorite television show? Uh, I feel like I'm a 90s kid. So I liked the show All That. All That. And various degrees of shows similar. Oh, Lizzie McGuire show. Oh, <laughs> all right. What was, what was All That? I'm not familiar with that one. All That was like SNL for kids. Oh, really? It's just a series of skits that were probably inappropriate for children. Interesting. You know, like they drop fridges on people and stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, really good. so in my yeah. generation, that was Three Stooges. Fair enough. <laughs> Black and white. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, Pete. How about you? What was your favorite TV show growing up? Oh, I kind of have to go between um, the goodies, the goodies, and wacky races. Yeah. Wow, those are, they must have been uh, Australian specific shows, huh? No, Goodies was from England. They were, goodies, um, yeah. Interesting. And then Wacky Races was a cartoon. Different cartoon characters racing around cars everywhere. So interesting. I'm gonna have to Google that. How about you, Ryan? Pit stop. Pit stop. <laughs> How about you, Ryan? What was yours? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, as a young kid, I I, I can remember really liking Magnum PI. Oh yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> And then in my teenage years, you know, the Seinfeld Friends era, like I really like, mm-hmm. I really like Seinfeld series a lot. Yep. Sean, I'm dying to know. Um, well, you split it into two, you know, like the early one was, uh, I was a big Fraggle Rock guy. Mm-hmm. Like I love Fraggle Rock. I don't know. Yep. I don't know why. Maybe it was like these built, built stuff. And then as I got older, <laughs> um, you know, in that T, I was a, I was a TGIF nut, so yep. I'm probably going to have to say Family Matters, and I love the Urkel guy, and I love the whole, <laughs> the whole, and everything, all, all, whatever it was, three or four shows on TGIF, I was, I was glued every week, so. Love it, love it. Uh, mine, like as a kid, from a cartoon perspective, it was uh, Speed Racer, no question, and I guess as a younger, I don't know, probably Happy Days. I loved Happy Days. 
Okay. I'm yes. old. I'm old. What do you want me to say? I mean, we, we do, we, we know that, we know. but the funds, <laughs> yes. Hey. Yes. you know, he was the man, right? Um, okay. Elise, tell us a little bit about the, the year of the man summit that you hosted. What was that all about? Oh, that was so much fun. Um, in like November or October of last year, I just was like, I want to get a bunch of creators together and just host something free for men. Um, so I was really lucky to collaborate with some top TikTok men's mental health um, coaches and creators. So like I got to work with Dylan Sessler and Joe Boutiste and um, a breathwork expert. And like there was seven of us who just every mm. night for seven days, we just went live for men to talk about for an hour of like, you know, ways that men could help themselves. And I just called it the year of the man summit. And um people could pay like, like a hundred bucks or something to stay after to ask personal questions to these people. And it was just like a really great event that like, you know, lasted for seven days to help men become better fathers, spouses, and, and people. How did you become passionate about, uh, men's mental health? So when I first started coaching, I posted all my content on LinkedIn, all my video content, which is where you found me. Uh, So I've been doing that for over two years. And when I first started, I was actually trying to be a female coach, but men were the ones reaching out to me. So I didn't necessarily start off like, Hey, I'm going to help men. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of like men found me. And then I realized that they didn't have a lot of support when it came to mental health and women just have uh, all of it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to be holding a space for men to, to come and, and have someone to talk to. And it's, that's how I just became super passionate about it. It's been like the best decision of my life. So do you find that, um, mental health issues affect men differently than women or are there more consistencies than what we think? I mean, absolutely. They affect men differently because men have been taught since they were young to not process. And when you don't know how to process, it just creates a catastrophe of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And on that, I want to make sure I, I make clear the reason that we've invited this this cast on here this evening is that everybody has a different perspective as it pertains to men's mental health. I'll speak for myself and I've brought it up on the show many times. Um, it's something that I personally have dealt with and continue to deal with. Um, and it's, it's been an interesting journey. That's for sure. I mean, I can look back at my life and, you know, look at all the bad things that happen. I can look at all the good things that happen and it's, it's unexplainable to be honest with you. And I know it affects everybody differently. For me, it was more of a, an anxiety driven thing. Um, at certain points of my life, I mean, unfortunately I was in a failed marriage, you know, and there's a number of other things that probably led to it. Um, you know, working in a super toxic work environment for a number of years, but it just, I guess it just piles up and at least, you know, you can expand on this, but, um, everybody has a breaking point, correct? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And like what you said for you, it, it became anxiety. And I think, majority of men have anxiety. They just don't know it and they don't call it that. They just think that they're hustling and grinding and working when really they're just in a fight or flight mode. Mm. Um, and it's, and they don't understand why they can't sleep at night or they have stomach problems or whatever. Like they're just so used to it. It's just their daily life, but it's anxiety from always going and never being able to relax. Mm. Um, and then it comes into the breaking point, like you said. 
Uh, maybe I can, uh, I want to take a step back a little bit and kind of understand, you know, you kind of jumped in a little bit on, you know, it's a manifest as anxiety or whatever. Can we maybe with, with your perspective and experience, like what are like some of the defining terms or what is some basics of mental health issues or what, you know, what do you see most prevalent? Like what is the, uh, what, what is the difference between anxiety and depression and some of the other things that I don't think are clearly defined? Um, so I don't see myself as an expert on that per se. Like I can't di medically diagnose. Um, so <laughs> I mean, but like anxiety is something I think in our society that is, it's like seen as okay, because it's just like, people don't understand it because they think anxiety is like, oh my God, I'm thinking all the time. I'm worrying all the time. I'm anxious, but anxiety is also like a bodily response. And it manifests as something like stomach issues or not yep. sleeping well or, you know, um, getting irritable really quickly. So I think it's just misunderstood. And so people just deal with these things and think that they're OK, whereas depression, I think, is a little bit more recognized um, and understood because it's talked about more like, you know, like you kind of like, you know, when you're depressed, right, like you're sad or you have suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And those are kind of like the people are like, okay, I'm depressed. I know that this is depression, but anxiety, people don't know that they have anxiety all the time unless they think, oh, I'm anxious. Mm. But really their body is actually anxious. Yep. Mm. I don't know if that cleared uh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah no, it does. It and, does a lot. And it's, it's like a really helpless feeling because you, you can't control it. And the more you try to control it, the more it gets out of control. It's like the weirdest <laughs> thing, I swear. PETA, how about your perspective? Yeah, so I live in a house of males. Uh, I'm the only female in my household. And um, anxiety and mental issues is actually, well, for me, I see it coming from the genetic side. And most of my, my, my family have some form of mental illness in, in that sense. And anxiety and depression you sort of see running hand in hand because they um, – they get that anxious and then they hit the depression side and, and, and things like that. And my, my youngest has not long just been diagnosed with anxiety and we're treating that. Um, he suffered quite badly, uh, which led to the depression and, and the suicidal thoughts and all of that sort of stuff, which is really tough for a 17-year-old boy to be going through. And um, we've worked really hard. He's worked really hard and very proud of himself because he's feeling so much better um and going and seeing speaking to people and taking medication for working out what's what's working and stuff and it's amazing to see how it affects everybody differently um even within just my household and how everybody deals with it in their own way it's um yeah hmm. yeah elise you got a response to that i just think that it's amazing that you are you know, being a pillar of someone who supports your sons and the males in your household for their mm -hmm. mental health. I think that's amazing. Um, I don't have any other response besides that, except congratulations <laughs> that he's getting better. And um, there's one thing that you said, Kent, you said, you know, you really can't control it. And I just would have to disagree with that. Like you can control these things or else like I would be out of, <laughs> like my job would be useless, <laughs> right. you know, but the problem comes when you think you can control it by yourself when right. you don't have the tools. Yeah. And then you get even more anxious and depressed <laughs> because you're trying to control it, not understanding that 
your brain is like operating from the mechanisms that got you into the anxiety in the first place. So the mm -hmm. only thing you're doing is just revving up those protocols and making it worse. So you, I think you absolutely can control it and you can heal from it. You don't just have to cope with these things for the rest of your life, but doing it alone yes. is like the worst thing that you can try to do. And I, I guess yeah. that is what I want to clarify. Trying like for me personally, when I would have like an anxiety attack or something like that, I personally alone could not control it. And in fact, the more I tried to control it, the worse it got. Oh yeah. Does that make sense? Mm. Like I, I can, I can remember one time, you know, waking up and I was, I was working at a, at a company where I was in a very toxic work environment and my anxiety was probably at an all time high at this point. And I can remember waking up one morning and almost like hyperventilating to the point where I thought I was having a heart attack and I'm sitting on the couch and I, I, I looked at my wife and I'm like, should I call the girls and tell them I love them? Cause I think I'm having a fucking heart attack right now. And this is it. And, uh, you know, we jumped in a car and, you know, ran me to the hospital and they did all these tests and everything. Like, nope. Your heart's fine. You're dealing with an anxiety issue, you know, go see your doctor, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, that's what I meant by not being able to control it, you know, on your own, you know, it, it's, it's okay to ask for help, I guess is, is the ultimate, uh, point of that for sure. Um, Ryan, how about you? What's your perspective on this? I mean, just from my, my personal side of things, I mean, I think depression on my end is, is more hereditary. Um, you know, we know my grandmother had it and it just kind of ran rampant through my family. Um, I don't know that it's anything that like you ever get cured of, you know, when it's hereditary like that, but I think you find coping mechanisms. You know, I've been diagnosed with depression um, been given medication. And so what I, what that gives me is the ability to see my triggers coming, you know, where before it was just like instantaneous, you know, like, I, my wife would probably tell you that a lot of depression for me shows us irritability and anger. Um, and I, I, I could just blow up at, at the, you know, at the drop of a hat, but, um, I can feel those triggers coming now and catch it ahead of time and, and get myself in a better headspace, or I can say, Hey, stop. I'm really in a tough spot right now. Just give me a little bit of space. Let me get myself re-situated and then we can talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Ryan, um, and you don't have to answer these questions, of course. Uh, yeah. You can just say no comment. But um, in, in your situation, you know, did you take that leap and say like, hey, I, I recognize that I have an issue. I need to, to get some help. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it came from, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Like I was okay with coming home from work and, and taking out all my aggression on my family. Um, but I'm a very career driven person. And when that started to rear its ugly head at work is when I really decided, you know, I've, I've got to get a handle on this. And, and, and kind of the reason I'm here today to speak about it is because it's a very vulnerable thing to speak about something sure. like this. Um, but the reason I'm here to speak about it today is like once I, I got help, like my career flourished, you know, I was able mm. to make um, more positive contributions to the surveying profession. I was able to think clearly, make sound decisions on the fly. It just made me a better professional altogether. Sure. Uh, Elise, you got anything to add to that? No, I think it's amazing that you are coming on here and talking about your experience and 
I'm curious to know though, this is something that like, I really don't want to offend anybody listening or anybody in this room. Um, but for me, I'm just curious to know why you think it can't be cured or what makes us think that it's genetic. Uh, I can take that. Uh, my initial thought is, um, because I have a very high opinion of myself and what I know. And if I can't solve it, it is insolvable. And I am uncomfortable being vulnerable and asking not, I can ask for help, but I ask for help in a way that I know that I need it and know what to expect. And it's a level of vulnerability that it, it, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I, it was a much bigger struggle and I wasn't old or mature enough to accept it, but it's getting better now, but still not there. I think it's a pride thing. And I'm sure Elise, you can expand on this, but I mean, guys are just so damn prideful. You know, like it took me having this incident where I thought I was having a freaking heart attack to finally say, you know what, I can't deal with this on my own anymore and go see a doctor and, and get some help, which absolutely changed my life. And that's the one thing I hope our listeners get out of this episode is that if you're struggling with any of the things we're going to talk about, don't be ashamed to ask for help. Right. Well, and I think the only reason I asked that is just because I think it's just... I think it's just sad to me that we have to get to the breaking point to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do what I do because, you know, I hopefully see some men before they get to that point. Right. Yep. Um, and the thing is like, I don't want to just keep you from having a breakdown. I want to get you back down to your normal state of balance so that you don't like, it's not like you're just coping with stress every day. It's just, you don't have stress. Right. You're not just coping with anxiety. You just don't have anxiety anymore. Like that is my goal. And, and the goal is, is like, these men are fathers and they can teach their kids how to help healthily self-regulate so that they never have to get to that point. Right. And I think society just kind of forces you and pressures you to the breaking point. And then you think there's something wrong with you. Mm. And then because you think there's something wrong with you, you think you need special treatment and that you have to rely on this treatment to be better when that's just not the case, the system is set up to keep you medicated, to keep you there. It says, oh, you know, something's messed up in your brain. That's why you're this way. Take this medicine and you'll feel better. And it helps you feel better, but it doesn't teach you how to actually like be better, mm. you know? Mm. And um, I just think it's sad that like, that's kind of like the system that we live in. That's how I see it. Sure. And maybe that's not true. So that's why it's like, I don't want to offend anybody who's going on this journey, but I just, I think it's sad that we just like we view things this way and I just want to, I want it to change from my perspective. Like you don't have to go through all that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, Go ahead. How, how do like you have these men coming to you, but how do they actually, are, are they at that tipping point when they do come to you for help? Because it does seem like, you know, I know with my son, he went three years of suffering and not showing any symptoms whatsoever before absolutely just losing it and just falling in a heap. And you kind of see, I've got friends as well who, who suffer quite badly with anxiety and depression and stuff like that. And all of a sudden they're fine and then all of a sudden they're down. And it's like, so what, what, what triggers them to come to you or how do they find you to the point of, of wanting that help? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, well, I'm a trauma informed coach and not a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to make that very clear. Yeah. So the clients that I work with, um, 
they're at a tipping point of they've already seen a therapist usually, and it's helped, okay. but they want to get to the next level and actually understand the systems and processes of what they're going through because I can't medically diagnose or anything like that. So I don't see people hmm. who are suicidal or anything like that, but um, they are at a different tipping point. So it is usually always like, I just need to figure this out. I've spun the wheels by myself. I can't see my own blind spots. And I'm like, finally, like I see these patterns in my children and like, I know that something needs to change. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 When you, when you say, you know, someone in that situation sees those patterns in their children, you, you don't think that's a hereditary thing. You think that's a behavioral thing or absolutely. How do you see it? Absolutely. Because <clears throat> Here's the thing is um, we see ch like a lot of children are misdiagnosed with ADHD when really um, they're just in a trauma response because we, we look at our children and um, we say, wow, something's really wrong with them. They're chaotic. They're running around. But we don't take a look at like the behaviors that are in home. Right. And a lot of our generation grew up with um, like not trauma informed parents, right? People who dealt with a lot of war and a lot of things that were just kind of like keep everything down. And it was like, okay, to beat your kids for punishment. And you don't understand how like dysregulating that is for children. And so we grow up and we don't understand our own behaviors and our own templates that we're passing on. And when you do understand that you can break the cycles, like some things are hereditary, but a lot of things can be changed with behavioral changes, I think. And when you say behavioral changes, what do you mean by that? I mean, it's up to us as parents. I'm not a parent, but it's like the adult <laughs> has to be the regulator for the child. And so your behaviors, how you treat yourself, how you treat others, like the energy that you emit, um, the patterns that you display, like even if you think your kids don't know, they know. They pick up on everything. Mm. So like the behavioral changes that you have for yourself. And this is what I tell my clients. Like when you make these changes for you, everything changes, um, you know, for everyone, because you're showing up in the world differently. So it is up to the parents to have healthy behaviors just for themselves. And it changes how the children, you know, their behaviors. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of like being a good example is what I'm getting out of this you want to make it very, very simple. Yeah. I think being a good example, but being aware of like actually just having tools. I think a lot of us just don't have tools mm -hmm. for ourselves even. Sure. Yeah. And I think those are two big points that I, I not sure on what the specifics are, but you mentioned uh, being aware and having tools and you know, like my, my personal experiences, if I look back, I have been dealing with and had anxiety issues and anxiety attacks most of my adult life. And I didn't even realize that, you know, the first 10 or so years of them, I didn't even know they were happening and I, or I couldn't put my, put my finger on what it was. Mm -hmm. And now that I've learned a little bit and got a little bit of help and admittedly not enough help, but I, I at least acknowledged that that was a thing before. And so, and, and like you said, of, of being able to tell, when you're in that space or when you're acting in a way that you think is normal and that's how you're, you were raised. But like you said, that's a whole different, it's, it's, you know, putting something on your kids that you don't even realize you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And does this start like at a really young age? Because like I look back at 
myself when I was like in whatever grade school, middle school, whatever. And it's like, I remember having this and maybe it's, I'm, I'm sure this is probably common in kids. So I'm probably overanalyzing, but it's like, you know, I, I was petrified to stand up in front of the class and talk. Right. Completely petrified. I mean, that still happens to grown adults too. It, it, it does. It does for sure. But other kids could get up there and just do it, whatever, you know? And it's like, I no idea if that's, you know, where it started, whatever, you know, I come from a family, you know, my parents were divorced. So I'm sure there was probably, you know, some anxiety as a result of that that was created. Um, so it's really interesting to me to, to think about the fact that it's not hereditary and it's more based on life experiences. Right. Well, there are some things that are obviously hereditary. Like there is something called generational trauma that is literally passed on through DNA, like a, a baby in the womb mm -hmm. experiences the emotions of the mother even. Interesting. So if the mom has a lot of anxiety, it can be passed on to a child. But like mm -hmm. the thing is the biggest influencer is the surroundings and the environment through which the child grows up in. Right. It's yep. like the, the soil around the seed. Mm hmm. And, you know, like, like you said, if you don't realize you have anxiety and you're just doing the things as normal, cause this is normal life. Yep. Like, you're not going to think I'm passing anxiety onto my child. The child's not going to know. And this isn't to blame parents. It's just to say that there's just such a lack of awareness we have in society about um, taking care of ourselves. That's all. And it's not to say like, oh my God, my parents are divorced and that's why I'm like this. Like, I don't want us to fall into a victim mindset either. Sure. It's just to create pure awareness of like, hey, this, this came from somewhere. Let's go back to the template because as a baby, you don't know how to take care of yourself. You rely on that relationship to feed you, to clothe you, to tell you how you should be loved, to tell you how you should be nurtured. Mm. And if some of those things are missing, because the parent just doesn't have the tools or they just don't know, like no one can be a perfect parent. Um, you will grow up with a certain template for how to receive love, for how to receive affection. And your brain's lazy. It's a computer. So it doesn't question it until you become older and you run into roadblocks. Like you said, mm. oh my God, I had anxiety for 10 years. This is like, now I'm aware. Right. 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 I want to make you aware before all that happens. That's the goal. Well, is there any kind of basic tools that are not tools is the wrong word, but you know, is there some things that maybe we do in general, or maybe some things that are we are patterns and habits that we should be aware of as men that may think we have uh, an issue or may just be curious about it? Like, am I, you know, what are, what are those things that we could be aware of? Is there something specific? I think the biggest thing that I would want to give to everyone in the world and all men, the biggest catalyst for me was, was taking a trauma therapy class and understanding the mind body connection for self-regulation. So understanding that your body has a physical response to situations, like it releases certain chemicals, it gets into certain positions. And then it, like when it releases the chemicals, it can trigger you to feel certain ways. So if you can disrupt that physical response, you can change your mental response. And mm. that is how you mm. have control. Like that's the simplest way that I can put it. And once you start to really harness that, like you, you never have like an emotional outburst again, because you understand it's just a physical response. And then you can also detach from something is wrong with me. Nothing is wrong with you. Your body is doing exactly what it should to protect you. Cause it thinks it needs to protect you right now. And once you understand how to just not be in that fight or flight mode anymore, your whole life changes. 
Mm, it's funny you say hey, that you? because one of the things that um, that my son's therapist said was if you feel like you're going, you're starting to have an anxiety attack is to grab ice and just hold it in your hands because it's taking, it's giving you a feeling and it's making you kind of stop the anxiety. The ice is, is giving you a different feeling and it kind of releases your body a little bit. Mm. Yeah, because when you're in fight or flight mode, you're not think like you don't have sense. You don't think about the senses like touch, mm. taste, feel, smell. So having ice or a lemon, like it shocks you into the present moment oh. and, and gives you enough time to stop the spiral. So I love that, you know, you have that as a tool like this. I tell people that all the time, just like grab some ice or wasabi mm. or something that is like, you know, oh. unpleasant in the moment for you to to shock your body. Is that something you can relate you- to, Ryan? Well, not really, because I feel like it feels like we're focused on anxiety a lot when we're talking about that. But like depression, is like this buildup, right? I can feel myself when I, I look at your list that you provided to us, you know, I get in this obsessive compulsive type phase. And then I, you know, like <laughs> it's not about crazy stuff like hobbies I'd love to do. You know, mm-hmm. I bought so much crap over the years because I get obsessed about something. Yep. And then, and then I find myself like triggering downward into like I've never I never really get into this like I'm in bed for days phase um and there's certain aspects of my depression that I love like I can become so hyper focused on things like if I'm trying to solve a problem at work I I can be there till two o'clock in the morning and not even realize it you know Hmm. um so I don't, I feel like mine's this buildup, not this like instantaneous moment. Like, and, and, and especially now that I've, I've been medicated for probably going on 15 years and, and had, had some situations where I've relapsed into depression and, and things like that, you know, and I've had to switch up medications, but I can like feel them coming and, and I can get myself, you know, get up and get moving. I think the exercise thing um, really does play into what you're saying. Um, but I can see them coming and it's a slow buildup versus a like instantaneous moment with like, I, I couldn't, like, I can't hold ice for days, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you think about that? At least I think if you try it, maybe you'll experience something different, <laughs> you know, but no, it's, it's, but it's like, it's the same concept though. Like, um, moving your body in a different way or disrupting those signals. Like you said, you can feel it coming on. So when you do that, you have a system that you disrupt the cycle with, right? Like your own system. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you feel it coming and you think you got it licked before it gets there and you still, you're still down, you know? Can I ask Um, what, what happens with you when you get into the down moments? I mean, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm happy to share my whole journey if that's, if you'd like to hear it. I mean, um, I grew up in a very, very loving family. Um, two parents stayed married until my mom passed away. Um, you know, we grew up, I'm, I'm one of four siblings. Like I said, we knew my grandmother had depression, um, on my father's side. Um, most of my brothers and, and I have two brothers and a sister and they probably have, have showed signs of depression. Um, like life of the party type of guy, you know, like super, ha- like I think some people would probably be pretty shocked to hear that, that I'm, you know, I have depression because 
like I said, I was that life of the party, like voted friendliest and most outgoing in my high school class. You know, you know, I played sports in high school a little bit and I was kind of a popular kid. Um, but I'd have in, in those, in those teenage years, I would have those kind of like, I just want to go lay down. I don't want anybody to mess with me. I just want to be left alone. Um, but in the older years that, like I said, it kind of manifests more in like, um, obsessive behavior. Like I said, I would just like, if I wanted to get into like, let's say fly fishing, I would just research it for days and days and days. <laughs> uh, or if I had a problem to solve at work, I would just, I would not stop thinking about it. I could be there all night. My wife would call me and say, Hey, when are you going to be home? And I'd say, how I'll be home in an hour and five hours would go by. And she's like, where are you? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then, um, the aggressiveness and irritability, um, was, was definitely part of it. Not that, you know, and when I look back, that was probably during times when, um, my workload was insane. So that may have been a little bit more anxiety than anything excuse me but some of my depression comes on with the lack of feeling useful i mean like this week i'm on covid protocol because i'm got exposed when i was in orlando and i'm just like i'm not doing work i'm not really as involved in our office proceedings so i'm just like kind of feeling down about it um but in my adult life um you know i feel like like I said, I started taking medication probably about 15 years ago because, um, again, I was okay with coming home and, and just being irritable and yelling at my family. But when it started impacting me at work, I definitely felt like I, there was something I needed to do about it. And and I've gone through cycles where I'm, I'm good for six, eight months, and then I'll, I'll get down the dumps. I mean, when my mom passed away, I got into a pretty deep hole for a couple of years. Um, I ended up pushing a lot of my friends away and, and, you know, there was some, a lot of things that were on the brink and I had to like take a deep look in the mirror and say, this is because of you, not because of anyone else. And I think it becomes wow. very easy to, to push your problems on other people, mm. um, and say that that's not me, that's you. And, and, and you really got to have to stop and take a deep look at yourself. And I don't know. If I would have had, and, and I don't want to see, sit here and act like that I'm just like dependent on medication, but I don't know if I would have had the mental clarity to do that um, without it, maybe. Uh, and maybe that's weak. I mean, I, I've been on it 15 years. Maybe it's hard for me to remember what it's like not being on medication. But uh, it certainly gave me the ability to look at myself and realize that I have to make myself better if I expect those around me to be better. Well, I just have to say, first of all, it doesn't make you weak. <laughs> it doesn't make you weak at all. Um, but I do love something that you pointed out, though, was that you had, like, I think the thing that we forget is that medication is not a cure. It's like a tool, right? Just like anything right. else. Because even with the medication, you'd still get into these dips, right? And But it was you who said, I need to change things. And without your ability to say, hey, like, I want to change things, like, you, you know, like the medicine won't help. Like it had to be you to say that. And so like you're a partner with the, the medicine, you know, it's not, that's just an entirely cure. And maybe you couldn't do it without that because it helps you balance out the chemical flood. And that's, there's nothing weak right. about that. You're using the tool exactly as it should be used in conjunction with you. 
Yeah, I think if people took a pill and said, this is going to cure me, um, they're going to continue to have problems. I think and that's again, how a lot of people look at it, though, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it, like I said, it, it really gave me it really gave me the clarity of mind to sit back, take myself out of situations and look at them with a fresh set of eyes and realize that, you know, I was making my own bed um, and I didn't want to do that. So, so I don't want to, like, I guess, I mean, maybe I don't want to say you're anti-drug and I'm pro-drug necessarily, but um it's definitely it's definitely helped me um and i would encourage those that are in a similar situation to to go seek help if they need it just to get over that hump and to get to the spot where you're coaching and and just like you said it's not one or the other you know and maybe you and i can start doing some coaching sessions i don't know but uh you know i think of that you need someone to be able to point out some of those issues so that you can see them yourself and you have that clarity of mind to to take them on mm-hmm. uh, because it's very, it's very easy to become um, self unaware, I guess that you don't, you think all your problems are someone else's fault. I mean, I've dealt with that with numerous people over the years. I'm dealing with that with someone in my neighborhood or I'm the president of our HOA. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Someone, <laughs> I'm dealing with that with someone right now. They, they consider everything as someone else's, you know, someone, this happened because of you did this, you did that. It's always someone else's fault. Yeah. But you got at some point in time, you guys like, well, you've had this situation with three people now. At what point do you stop and take a look back and say, maybe I need to change? Mm. That's good stuff, Ryan. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I got one question, um, especially for Elise. Like, what do you think the best advice would be for uh, someone that is unsure if they might be going through some? mental health issues like i mean you know ryan is is amazing for for sharing and very self-aware and i think uh the majority is not yes and maybe curious or maybe like is this or what should i do like what would that what would that advice be i think always just go see a therapist like and i say that because we can go to our friends or our family, but they are usually not trained in mental health topics. And so as much as they want to support you, A, they probably just won't know the healthiest way how, and you don't know what their response will be. So they just might not be able to hold space either. They're probably going through their own stuff. And so going to see a therapist, they can help you at least point you in the right direction of like, okay, we can have more sessions. I, you know, like you don't have a a mental health diagnosis, but like, let's just talk about like the hard stuff that's going on right now. And there's, there's just nothing wrong with that. And, And I think a lot of men are ashamed to, they're ashamed to get help because we've labeled it as getting help. And when we say get help, it makes us feel like there's something wrong with us, but any man is willing to get a coach or a mentor or buy a, a self care package, you know, like development And so I think that's really why a lot of men are also comfortable with hiring me is because I am a coach and, and not a therapist, but lucky I have the tools, you know? Uh, But I always, I think just like, go see a therapist. There's nothing wrong with it. They can give you some basic foundations of where you're at and you can go from there. Hmm. You know, I I think that's the biggest thing. Oh, sorry. No, no, go for it. I was going to say, I think that's the biggest thing um, with, with men is that, they sort of think, oh, no, I don't want to see a doctor. I don't want to go on medication. Um, so they don't do anything about it and they just keep suffering. 
and it's the biggest thing that I say is that not wanting to take that first step of where do I go? The doctor thing is just a massive roadblock for them. I can tell you personally, I struggled with finding someone to talk to. Like I got to a point where I, I definitely needed to talk to somebody and it took me a while, first of all, to admit that. And then when I even finally admitted that there was not a lot of tools out there. Like I was asking around and the internet is, uh, you know, it just, it, it took me a very long time. And even when I did find someone, it wasn't even that great. So it's still like, I wish there were more resources and people, people like Elise that can say, Hey, here, this is the, the, this is the right, right path for you and stay on it. And, and I think there's a lot more resources, especially with social media and, you know, the fact that there is men's health coaches on TikTok is awesome. Yeah, my experience with therapy, I mean, most of my therapy hasn't really been associated with depression. Um, maybe it was, you know, I've been to, we've been to marital counseling, you know, three times over the course of our marriage. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, celebrate my 20th anniversary here in September. And I'm sure a lot of those issues right, manifested from, from my depression. But the one thing I really like about therapy and counseling is, you know, you've got someone that has a bullshit filter. You got someone, you know, you go talk to a friend. They don't, want to hurt, they don't yeah. want to hit you. They don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. But a therapist, especially a paid therapist, I like it because we've done the free therapy, you know, with college students, they don't want to take, they don't, I don't want to say take sides, but they don't want to, like, they don't have a bullshit filter yet. Then you think like even doctors are kind of like trapped in how they can get paid and in how they can help people. Mm. So even when you go to the doctor, their their job isn't really to like help you learn tools to figure it out. Their job is to medically diagnose you. So of course they're just gonna say, oh, you have this symptom, this symptom, this symptom. You have anxiety, here's a prescription. Like what else are they supposed to do? You know, like that is, is what their technically job is. And so, you know, like, it it's just the systems of society yeah i mean that's that's very true like i went to my doctor and said i think i got depression and guess what i walked out with a script in my hand you know i mean it was that that quick but it's that like i said that self-reflection that self-awareness like you've got like you're, you're you can be your own therapist at times if you're willing to step back and look and not say that that's that's not my problem. I'm, I'm perfect. Right. I, I, you know, I, I can do no wrong. And I keep telling them, I'm you perfect. Gotta, you got to stop and say, look, I'm, I messed up that situation and here's how I can make it better the next time, or even go back to that individual and apologize and explain. And, you know, you know, my situation, like the, one of the things that, that made me realize that I needed to get help is like, I went off on a coworker. I mean, went, off in front of everybody that individual ended up leaving the company not too long after and i don't think it was because i went off on him but you know I, I went and got help and i called the guy i said look man like you're one of the reasons that i i sought help and we're buddies to this day he's one of my clients <laughs> um so you know it was, that's the kind of things that you can get out of this is you know repair your marriage repair your friendships um just repair your life. Like I said, my career's taken off um, since I've gotten involved with, you know, addressing this issue head on. Mm. Amazing. I love that um, you said, sometimes you got to look and say, I'm the problem. And I mm. just want to be like a hundred percent of the time. 
we are the problem. Yeah, There's right. Like, like, do not ever let yourself give any power away to say somebody else is the problem. Like somebody else could be doing like not good things to you. But if you turn internally, there's some reason why you're still in contact. There's something, you know, that is allowing the behavior and like, how can I set better boundaries? How can I just like move out of this phase of my life? How can I address this in a healthier way? Like if you say hundred percent of the time, I'm the problem, I am responsible for my own health and well-being. Like all of us would be better off, you know? Yeah. Cause you can't right. change someone else. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Even when it comes to like my marriage, I've had to say, I cannot change my beautiful, lovely wife, right? I mean, she's got her own stuff going on. The only thing I can do is change my behavior and my behavior can help make our marriage better. Um, I can't change her. I'm hopeful someday that she'll see how great I am and how, how many problems she has. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm hopeful I... someday she will see she is too the problem. <laughs> my beautiful, lovely wife, the problem. I mean, you know, she's not gotten to that point where she says maybe some of these issues remain, you know, and I, I have to be patient with her. And, and if she listens to this, she'll probably yeah. kill me. But, <laughs> That's no, but funny. it's so true. We, we do have to take responsibility in relationship to relationships are our greatest reflector, our greatest mirrors of how we can work on ourselves. But it is very hard to be in, in concert with a person who doesn't accept personal responsibility. Because even if you accept 100% responsibility and our partner doesn't, then you feel like, oh my God. And I'm not saying this about your wife. I'm just saying this, in, you know, if she's listening, this isn't about you. This is just about relationships in general, that it's hard to be with someone who doesn't accept responsibility. Like we, we all need to just do it for ourselves. Sometimes it hurts. We don't want to do it, but it's, you work so much better with someone else when you can both just be vulnerable and say like, I fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Russell Wilson quote. Yeah, Who knew? Yeah, prophetic, coming right back around. <laughs> exactly. So, at least I'm curious about this. I mean, mental illness. I mean, like in the states, especially. I mean, it's something that is definitely not talked about enough. And life is freaking hard, right? Um, anytime I allow myself to like watch the news every day before I go to work, it immediately puts me in a bad place if I allow it to. Um, there's just a lot of negativity in the world. I mean, what percent of people, I guess men in particular, do you think are dealing with some sort of mental illness or challenges? I think everybody. Deals I, I, I'm glad you said that. Yes. A hundred percent. Cause like you said, you turn on the news, which also, like I said, big mistake. I don't know why you watch the news. Just don't watch it. Yeah. I haven't watched it for like a hundred years and, uh, it's, it's a game changer, you know, like that's also a thing too, is like, the environment that you put yourself in, what what rhetoric are you repeating to yourself daily? Because that will change your whole day. So like, especially at the beginning of the day, you're going to ruin your day like that. Don't do that, man. Yep. I'm going to call you out on the podcast. Anybody here, do not watch the news. It doesn't provide any information besides to make you depressed and feed the system. That's all it does. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> probably watched the news in 20 years. Um, and, and just like, like you said, eliminating certain stressors from your life. Uh, the news, I've now started limiting my Facebook um, mm. because a lot of the things going on in the world right now, it seems to be everyone's out to try to prove a point or, or make their point. I've just eliminated myself from that. And, you know, I had a, a friend group that was made up of my brother and, and two of my high school buddies. And we had a group text going on and it seemed like 
I was never really fully integrated into into the group or the conversation. Like I'd see them on Facebook, and the three of them would be hanging out, and like they never invited me. Like you know, they're like, "Oh, this was spontaneous or whatever." And finally, I just got to the point where this is causing me a lot of of mental stress. And I just politely told them, like, "Look, guys, I still love all of you. I still want to hang out with you. I still want to be buddies, but I don't want to be a part of this." quote unquote friend group. And there's probably some deeper issues there, you know, that I don't want to really get into with you know my brother. I, I mean I love my brother to pieces, but you know, there were some issues there with with you know these these two guys were my friends and he kind of came into it. And it was like my way to give them per- permission to go do things without me. It's sure. like I, I took, you know, and I don't think they were doing it intentionally, but it felt as if they were and I, I kind of took that that tool away from them by saying that I, I no longer want to be a part of this. Mm. I still go to, I still go hang out with them. We still go have drinks from time to time, but I don't have to pretend like we're all besties anymore, you know? Yep. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. would say that's really weird, but for me, mm. it really worked. It was know? a release. Been, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Pete, I'm curious. So going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, mm-hmm. you have a great perspective on this. We were talking about the negative influences that we all experience on a daily mm-hmm. basis. If we allow it to happen, you know, I look at mm-hmm. your son who's 18 years old and I can only imagine, um, you know, the outside pressures that, you know, somebody in that age group experiences these days. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a couple of things that I want to cover there because um, one of the things that for him is that he is. Uh, a people pleaser he wants to make sure everybody is happy um so he will do everything to make sure everybody is happy and he puts himself last so he's you know the happy the funny the look after everybody else and that was making him suffer um and i know that there's some of us that are like that as well i do that quite often as well making sure that everybody else is happy and all that sort of stuff and one of the things that his therapist said and because I've sat in most of his sessions with with him um, was that your brain always leads to a negative it's just built to focus on the negative and when she said that because I've myself I've also gone through ups and downs um, in the past few years as well and and I still am and still trying to, to build myself up again. And one of the, and the, when she said that to me, I think we both just sat there and a kind of light bulb went off, went, oh, okay, this is something that we can control. And we can notice when things start to, you're starting to see the bad or the negative or you're starting to feel down to focus on something else. And so he's now pulling out of um, situations with friends where he can see that it's going to impact on him and he's finding people and doing things that are making him feel happier uh, in that sense as well. And one of the things I've sort of tried to do and, and this week even is that waking up in the morning and going, okay, today's going to be a good day. Things might go wrong, but that's okay. And I'm happy and I'm grateful for what I've got and, and putting out some things that you actually make you feel good and things that make you happy so that you can turn your brain around and go, no, this is the direction that I want to go. And he's learning that and I'm learning that. And it's through 
through that talking and listening to the therapist and yeah so I'm really proud of him because he's come a long way he's really proud of himself because I asked him if I could talk about him you know today and he was just like hell yeah and I'm like oh okay yeah and he was like yeah I want everybody to know that what I've done and I'm really proud of where I am and where I'm going and all that sort of stuff so it kind of puts a different perspective on things when it comes to the mental health yeah yeah that's amazing Mm. Mm. I'm very proud Hey, Elise, uh, on, on that note, kind of springboarding off of what Peter just said, what what are your thoughts as it pertains to like uh, manifesting? You know, like if you train your brain to wake up in the morning with these positive thoughts, good things are going to happen. You know, do you manifest a good day versus waking up with negative thoughts and you're manifesting uh, a bad day? I love that you brought this topic up so (laughs) random i didn't think we would get into this at all but that's (laughs) awesome i actually teach this in my in my like men's group and to like my one-on-one clients but there's something in your brain called so i'll do a scientific explanation and then i'll do a spiritual explanation so scientifically there's something in your brain called the reticular activation system which is essentially the part of your brain that filters information and so what we tell our brain is what it's going to say is, oh, this is important. I should look for this thing. So even subconsciously, you know how like women will be like, oh, my thighs are fat or like, I'm trying not to be so fat. All your brain hears is fat, 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 fat. That must be true. I need to make this true. So then what we will do is we'll, we'll look for evidence to prove that we are fat or we will start to exhibit behaviors that make us fat. Like, so part of manifestation is training the reticular activation system to look for the things that you want. Like we've all heard that theory of like, oh, I I wanna buy a Toyota. So then I start seeing Toyotas everywhere, right? We start to see the evidence. So if you start off the day saying, oh, today's gonna be a good day, you automatically put in your brain, oh, today's gonna be a good day. I should look for evidence for this. And then you start saying, oh, the coffee tastes really good. Oh, that person smiled at me, that's so nice. Like that's, that's manifesting a good day, right? And then spiritually, and I don't know if you want me to go into that part. You want me to go into that part? Yeah, go for it. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So spiritually and scientifically, everything is energy, right? Even down to your smallest atoms in your body, they're constantly moving and vibrating. And so different things that you want are vibrating at different speeds. And when we're depressed and down and sad, you're vibrating at a very low speed, very slow right? Like something that's frozen, it doesn't move very much, right? So things are frozen. When you're very happy and energetic and joyful, you're vibrating at a very high speed, very fast. So you attract things to you that are also that energy. And so that's how you can also manifest. Like you understand it in the brain, hey, I train my brain to seek out the things that are going to benefit me. And when I feel good, when I make myself a priority, Instead of just pleasing other people, when I make myself a priority, it pleases other people automatically because I'm vibrating so much good energy. Mm, I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Uh, one point of order I have to, I have to bring up, Uh-oh. Uh, you know, I have to nerd out a little bit. Um, uh, when you say you're vibrating at uh, a speed, I think of you're vibrating at a frequency at a yeah. high frequency and a low frequency. And, mm. you know, I, I, I had a class in college called vibrations and it was very, very Mm -hmm. in depth and calculus and stuff. But what the, the cool part I got of it, there are natural frequencies and then there are 
and you know a man-made so to speak in, in frequencies and when those two match up it's that's where the term harmonious or harmony comes from and they can actually manifest into more than just they would be individually and i think you know mm-hmm. if you could apply that same thing if you can match your frequency and yourself with what's going on around you yep. and those yes. two really jive then what we consider as spiritual is most likely all spiritual but there is a physics you know scientific part of that and i don't know just yes i'm so glad you nerded out Keep nerding out because it's like it's so true like because i say it's spiritual but just because it, it's like well known in the spiritual community but like you said it's like it's an actual mathematical thing that you can Correct. like freaking figure out the universe and like i don't want to get too far into it is so i'm not sounding woo woo but when you can manipulate your brain and, and understand these things, like your entire life just changes. You have so much more control than you think you do. Yeah, I agree. So like that frequency or that vibration, it's probably like if you turn Dua Lipa up really loud, <laughs> that frequency just reverberates through your body and puts you in a happy place. But if you can match your internal frequency to the happiness of Dua Lipa frequency, frequency then it, yeah. it, 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 yes. you know, yeah. in the, in the engineering land, you see the bridge that all of a sudden just starts going oh, yeah, crazy yeah. and all yeah, of a sudden yeah. it breaks. Right. And that's because the natural frequency of the structure itself matched the frequency that was mm-hmm. coming from the wind and the cars. Sure. And when that, that's how it exploded. And I see that as like an, an awesome thing, not a negative thing, but it's still, that's a match of something inherent to it, the structure itself or you as a person and outside influence. Yeah. Yeah. I love so it. Does anybody want to, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that this like boils down to like, you know, when I'm depressed, right. I, I want to listen to like more chill music Um, more like down music and then when you're when you're excited Mm -hmm. right you want to you want to kick it up a notch right you want to match those frequencies well that's that's exactly what i tell my clients too is like when you're sad your natural inclination is to listen to more sad music right you're Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna listen to adele because i'm depressed and i just want to cry some more but you if you're in that mindset you can do that but if you want to get yourself out of that frequency put the happy music on when you're depressed like I refuse to listen to sad music when I'm feeling down because mm. I know it just feeds it. Like you right. will feed what you feel. Don't feed what you feel, feed how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Like, and if anybody, does anybody, I, I feel like I'm talking too much. No, go for does it. anybody want to learn like a no. manifestation technique? Yes, to absolutely. Go vibe, to go off the vibration thing that we're talking about. I can't even believe we're talking about this right now. It really excites me that this is going to be on this podcast, <laughs> but how literally like what you're talking about with vibrations, um, and how if you can harness the energetic vibration of like the place you want to be or the person you want to be. So like, if you think about yourself as the happiest person ever, right? Like how would you feel? And you can harness this, right? Like, oh my God, I feel like at ease and joyful and amazing. And like, this is the feeling that I get like when I'm playing sports or whatever, like if you can latch onto that um, and create that frequency within your body, you, you change your energy and you change your frequency. And this is like a rule that you can apply to, like, if you want more money, you want to be in a different place in life. Like when I was working at McDonald's, like I never just took on the frequency of like, I'm a McDonald's worker, not saying that's a negative or whatever, but like, I want to be like a millionaire or a billionaire. So like, I, I picture myself like flying in private jets and like wearing Cartier and 
you know, latch on to the energetic frequency of those things. The energetic frequency of owning a house by yourself, the energetic frequency of having a family. What does that feel like? A lot of times we just attach ourselves to the vibration that we're in now. And we think that that thing is so far away. All it is, is just, you just have to tap into that frequency and you can get there so much faster. This is what I teach my clients in the one-on-one sessions. Mm, I love it. I mean, you guys are getting some nuggets. That's awesome. I mean, so I know your I know your answer to this is probably no, but do you see any value of just wallowing in your own depression for a day? Like listen to your sad music because uh. it makes you feel like someone else knows how you feel. Waller in it for a day and then move on. Like, is there any positivity in that? Hmm, interesting. So so I love that you brought that up because here's the thing. Um, as you continue to understand the vibrations and the mindset, you need to do that less because at first it feels good because you're validating how you feel and that's good. Like you, you never want to invalidate how you feel because it keeps you stuck there longer, Mm. but the time span for which you feel like you need to validate that emotion continues to shorten because you realize just like how unbeneficial it is to stay in that vibration. Right. So like what, what starts off as a day can kind of become like six hours and then it can become three hours. And now I'm at the place where it's almost like instantly, like if I start feeling anxiety and I just started doing this within like the last month. So like, because I used to do this too, where it's just like kind of days or whatever, but now I've just started saying, okay, like it does not actually benefit me to stay in the energetic frequency of being anxious. And if I can get out of it in a day, why can't I just get out of it in this hour? Why do I have to wallow in it? If I'm going to get over it anyway, why don't I just get over it now? Why don't I just tap into what makes me happy now? Mm. It doesn't help me to be anxious or scared or angry. Yeah. I kind of say to myself, I'm giving my five minutes to have my cry to, to, carry on and be an idiot and then try and pull myself out of it and it doesn't <laughs> like, happen get the, the time, emotion out get, right. get it out and move on that's Is what it- i'm trying <laughs> yeah yeah um it, it's amazing to me and we all know these people that it's like they just can't get out of a funk it's like every like bad shit always happens to them right uh, but they bring it on themselves they they're do an energetic yeah. frequency of attracting it that sounds yes. awful but like we attract everything in our lives. It's like the secret, right? Everybody says that every time I say I've never yes. read the secret. Oh my gosh, you got to read it. <laughs> if you guys are curious, uh, just look up what eigenvalues are. That's the, eigenvalues? Yeah, that's the on the mathematical function that helps you go from a, a sinus wave to a, a second order differential, second order differential equation. That's how that is so nerdy. Can you like link that in the chat? That's awesome. E-I-G-E-N. Yeah. I'm going to use that in my courses now. I'm going to be like, I can, I can, I can send you some stuff and yeah, you can, you could actually take functions and, you know, do some derivatives and get to get, get there. Yeah. 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 It it is. It's out there. It's provable. You are a dork. Wow. Yes. I need the no, I need the so button good. on the podcast that this just says so nerd good. alert cuz uh, yeah, I'm here. We're going <laughs> to transform your life right now. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, let me I mean, ask I you. I feel like the, 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 the depression side of things, like, I mean, I think it does need to run its course somewhat. I mean, I think I could no. be down and, and like, turn nope. on your, your fun, happy music, and I'm still going to be down, right? I mean, my, my But that's because you're attached places. to the idea that you still need to be down. I don't think so. And, and maybe if it's a, maybe if it's, the if you know it's a day, that, it can go to a half a day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that you can limit it. You can, you can, but I mean, I've had. What I've if had, you thought I can cure this? Because from the hmm. beginning, you've said, I don't think it'll ever be cured. I have to give this time to play out. Like, and I'm not saying that it doesn't have to, but I'm challenging the mindset right now because we don't realize how much the words that we say create attachments to the way things are, as opposed to the way that things could be. And maybe if you were to say like, what if I, what if this, what if it could be easy? What if I didn't have to suffer? Like, what if my life could be just pure joy? Mm. Like just, just, Mm. just try it. And it can be, it can be. But back to Why what, not? back to what Peter said, you know, if our brains are wired to initially always go to yes. the negative, I'm sure by some, you know, fight or flight or, you know, some reason. Yep. Um, but you can rewire the brain with neuroplasticity. I'm going to challenge everything. On that's here. awesome. <laughs> I love it. Because what? your Main brain is malleable. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, It, it is a muscle. This is, how, this is how it works. So it's like your brain has, um, neural pathways, right? And this is how I explain to my clients. Like if you're in the middle of winter, right? And you have two sidewalks for the last 15 years, you've been shoveling one sidewalk. So like there's 15 feet of snow on either side of this perfectly carved out sidewalk. And you walk down the sidewalk, even though you know that at the end, there's going to be a dumpster fire, right? That, that's depression at the end of that. Like, but it's an easy pathway for your brain to go because that pathway is so deep. And now I'm telling you, okay, but like, you need to go down this other sidewalk, but it's not shoveled out. And your, your brain is looking at that like, holy shit, I got to shovel through a 15 foot um, field of snow. And like, so we resist and we don't want to do it and we don't want to look at it because it's hard, but really all the brain is, is just a bunch of habits and patterns that it runs with. Hmm. And the second that you pick up the shovel and start going, like every time you do that, it becomes easier. And soon the other sidewalk path is the one that gets snowed in and the new habit that you've created becomes the deeper groove. Wow. That's how the brain works. It's crazy. I know. Mm. I know it's crazy. And I'm only saying like this it. because I've done it. Like I'm really not trying to like invalidate your experience or what you're feeling. I'm just challenging it sure. because I had to challenge my fucking brain so much. It was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. And like my coach challenged me and she's like, because this is, this is the thing I've struggled with too. I said, no, I have to work hard to, make money and do this thing like and she was like no you don't and I was like what do you you have to what do you mean like I have to work hard I have to do this she's like you're just attached to the idea that you have to do it that way and until you're able to like release then you're just going to continue to struggle and suffer and you won't make as much money as you want because you're attached to this idea that blah 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 and I was like (laughs) so every time I'm challenged like that I just surrender and try to do it the opposite way because that's my brain just trying to like take what it knows instead of like what could possibly be different. So it's like a, like a mental paradigm shift is what you're having to do. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I Uh, mean, I maybe did to support what you're saying, you know, I've had employees come up to me and say, you know, you've been down the dumps for two weeks, you know, I've noticed it. it's affecting the whole office. And then I say, you know, to myself, okay, I got to snap out of it. And you, you know, when someone calls me out on it, 
I'm able to make that change. So, I mean, maybe that validates what you're saying. So you need to, you need to snap yourself out of it before someone else does. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just like the patterns. Like he says, he wakes up and watches the news every morning and is immediately depressed, you know, like, I don't, I don't do it. Yeah. Well then stop doing that. Like you don't watch the news. So you already already avoid that. But like what Peter says, she's like, I wake up every day and I say, today's going to be a good day. And like the smallest things can put us in the, in the, in the most different directions. Like we just don't know. And that, and so like, once again, I'm totally not trying to invalidate your experience or what you've gone through your whole life for the past mm. 15 years. My goal is to challenge you because I know things can be different. Sure. And I think that any needless suffering should be eliminated. And I'm willing to like be out there to say that, because I think that you can change anything in your life. I think you have right. the power to do it. Yeah. Good for you for doing that. How do you get someone to do that? How do you get someone to do it, Elise? You've got these men out here who who are suffering, who think that no, this is just how it is, or this is how I'm just going to deal with it. How how do you encourage them to go and do this? Because only they can do it. Right. Well, the men who see me are ready to make the change, and I ask them in in the intro call. You know, like, are you ready to surrender? you know, the way that you've had, that you've been doing everything your whole life, because if you're not willing to Mm. surrender that, I can't help you Mm. because I'm, because a lot of us want to change while staying the same, Mm. right? Like I've had clients where they're like, okay, I'll do this, this, and this, but like, how do I do this and this and this? And I'm like, okay, but you're trying to do the new thing in the way that you've always been doing it. And I'm telling you to do it a different way. And unless you can let go of the way you're used to doing it and do it the way that I'm telling you, you know, you're going to hit this spot where you're not getting better. What you are, can't take our, your old habits into the new way of life. Yeah. What are some lifestyle changes that folks can make that could um, alter their state of mind? And here's the reason I bring it up. I'm a, uh, do you know who Wim Hof is? Yeah. The cold plunge guy. So yeah. I started doing that. Like, here we go. Here we go. I'm going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I brought up a lot. I, oh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. Start, <laughs> I started doing cold plunges about six weeks ago. Never heard of it. And, uh, six weeks ago. I thought this, this was is, like a year's long. Well, no, where you live, you need them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it is. I mean, honestly, you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's changed my life. It really has. Mm. I don't think you're crazy. Yeah. I think you found a tool that's been the catalyst for you to change. Yeah. Yep. So what, what are some things like that or what, you know, other examples that you might have that, you know, folks may be able to consider? So here's what I'll say is I, I have kind of like a routine that I put men through um, just to start off because a lot of men do not prioritize themselves. They, they, they are natural people pleasers just by default because that's how they've been trained. Like do everything for everyone else, support the family, do a good job at work. And they don't ever have self-care time. So the first thing I always say, usually within the first session is 10, 15, 30 minutes in the morning, just for yourself to say to your body, Hey, I'm a priority to get yourself in a space of calm, to start um, figuring out the things that you like to do. And I don't care like really what tools you use to put yourself in that state, journaling, meditation, going on a walk without any distractions, you know, don't do work stuff. Don't watch the news, just like exercise, do something for you. Um, Cause you want to start developing that mind body connection. So that's like the first thing. And then anything beyond that, like there's a million tools that you can use 
that could become the resonant catalyst for connecting with yourself. Like you found ice plunging. I don't, I don't agree that there's just one thing that can be the end all be all for everybody. Cause everybody's like, Oh, you need to meditate or you need to journal. Like you don't need to do anything. You need to do the one thing that resonates with you. That helps you take a deeper look within yourself. That helps you feel calm. That helps you feel connected. So like breath work is really good. Mm. Ice baths, cold showers are really good walking, exercising, meditation, yoga for men, because it's something that's slow and forces you to be in the moment. Anything that puts you in the present, um, it can be a really good catalyst. Yeah, I love that. And the key takeaway there is just making the decision to make time for yourself. Right. Yeah. Men are so bad about doing stuff like that, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me personally. Terrible. Terrible. For me, I've been so focused on my career so focused on my family. Um, and in the last, what, two years now, we got a bird dog and I've been training the dog. And I usually take the dog on walks every night and just by myself. And, and my mental state has been better since that. Yeah, I've been giving good. myself some purpose outside of work, um, some purpose even outside the family and just get away by myself, you know? So, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Awesome. Awesome. What else? Elise, anything else you want to make sure we talk about that we haven't touched on yet? I don't know. We talked about like a whole array of topics. We did. Now. I didn't think we were doing that manifestation thing. That like sent me for a loop. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to see you guys like you said um, that you didn't have a good uh, routine for yourself. I want to see you guys like do something in the morning. I'm going to check back in on you. Fair Later. enough. Hold start us accountable. Developing a morning, yeah, start developing that morning routine. Because here's the thing is like, you know, Ryan, you said that you're so focused on work and you're so focused on family and we're so focused on being the best we can for everybody else. We don't realize that we're pouring from like an empty cup. And even women do this mm. too. Everybody kind of does it. Oh, yeah. You don't realize that you are the foundation of like the family, the foundation of, of how you do at work. So you want to become a water fountain as opposed to a cup right? You want to fill yourself with so much fulfillment and passion and purpose and joy that everything else gets the overflow, right? Like, cause the happier you are, you start off the day feeling amazing, feeling good. Like the better you're going to do at work, the better you're going to show up for your family. So right. I really think like anytime we go out of alignment with our own selves is when everything starts to fall of shit. Um, yeah. One more question. And hopefully this doesn't take us down another rabbit hole, but the importance <laughs> of um, sleep and nutrition. Hmm. Super important. Well, it, it just feeds into everything else, right? So many men, like they have the anxiety because they're not dedicating time to themselves and then they get stressed about stuff and then they work super late and their brains never shut off and then they over-caffeinate and then they can't sleep and it just feeds into this like really self-deprecating cycle. I feel like Sean's just like looking like he's being called out right now. Like everything like you I are say, talking like, about my life as the example of what not to do. And it's like, man, that was this morning. But do you <laughs> every feel day before understood? That. Do you feel like I'm uh, like, am um, I like, I don't know if validated is the right term because I don't think that, but I'm just I, saying, I like you understand, like I've seen this happen so many times. And like the second that you take a step back and start dedicating time to yourself, you can expand time, right? Cause the other excuses, Oh, I don't have enough time. I got to do this, 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 and this, right, how can yeah, I dedicate yeah. any time for myself? And you put it off and put it off and you're never happy and just stressed. 
So put the time for yourself in the morning. Hey, I did have a fi- solid five-minute shower this morning, and it was all about me. <laughs> <laughs> solid five minutes. Well, was it cold? Maybe, I, maybe, that, maybe that's the next thing. Is uh, Well, it's also Arizona in July, so all the way cold is still a warm shower. Warm shower. <laughs> There's no cold water in Arizona. But the thing is, like, once you, once you just start the day off and put your brain in a state of calm, you start to see things differently and you will start to eliminate the things that you don't need to do anymore. Cause chances are you're probably just being busy for busy sake, but everything looks like a necessity and it's mm. not. So you'll be able to prioritize better. It expands your time more because you cut out the crap and then you have more time and then you're more present. And when you're more present, you don't need to think about work when you're at home and then your wife's not angry. And then you, you know, have a good family time and then you can go to sleep because you're not thinking about work or family and you actually sleep through the night and then the day is good. And then you don't eat crap because you're not sleep deprived. Cause a lot of the times we eat crap because our body is sleep deprived and it craves carbs. It mm. all feeds into one another. Color me guilty. I mean, sleep, sleep for me is not a problem. Like I can, I sleep like a champ, but mm. diet wise, diet wise, when I eat, you know, like my wife calls it closer to the earth, right? I eat, you know, whole like meats in their natural state, mm. vegetables. In their they natural like, state, just a, a cow, just take a bite of it. No, but no, not like spot, not In not their like natural dogs. state. Like a steak, a chicken breast instead of like sausage meat, things like that. Sausage, oh, right. gotcha. Um, and stay away from carbs. My mind, I like, I can, I kind of keto-esque, if you will, but um, I can feel my mind firing on all cylinders mm. when I'm eating crab then it just seems foggy it's hard to stay driven on that because they're so delicious society is full of (laughs) crap i mean it really is you really have to decide to go on your own path in some ways on the diet side of things it seems like yep it's all discipline right gotta take it well i think once you feel the difference in your body like he says like it's not it's not really a discipline anymore. You just like right. stop feeling like crap. And then once you eat the crap again mm. and you feel bad, just kind of like drinking. Like I was a straight edge for 25 years of my life. So I didn't start drinking until just recently. Um, Cause I was afraid I would become like an alcoholic because my, I have a family line of alcoholics and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to like it too much. I'm going to go crazy. But um, I didn't. And I just discovered like, you know, it just doesn't make you feel good. (laughs) Like afterwards, like, and I can sense that. And I can sense that when I eat junk food or whatever. And so like, it's just kind of like understanding this is part of like getting in touch with your body and understanding, like, just try to go clean for a while and see how it makes you feel and then eat some crap and then see how that makes you feel. And then you no longer need the discipline because you've given yourself enough time to adapt to understand the difference. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else, you guys? Peter, you got anything else? Any final words? Thoughts? No, I think no. I, this has been incredible. I hope I hope a lot of people get something out of this today. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I would just encourage anyone that had these thoughts in the back of their mind about whether they need help or not to to just go get the help, and and mm, it doesn't have yeah. to be it doesn't have to be a stigma. Um, I've tried to share my personal journey with everyone I thought that it could benefit of it. And, uh, you know, I'm a better person today because I've addressed these issues and, and I want the same for everyone else that has the same issues. 
Yeah. Well said, Ryan. Thank you for that. How about you, Sean? Yeah. Uh, no, this has been great. I mean, felt like I got called out a little bit. Just you know, <laughs> everything we were talking about. Do. I got a little bit. I got homework. You called I, yourself. I, I, out. I got a, you know take a you know a little more me time. But uh, I I think it's all great. I think that I really appreciate at least you know coming on and and especially you know Ryan and Peter given their perspective. I think I think it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I th- I think one of my biggest take takeaways is that I mean we're all dealing with shit. Life is hard. Um, it yep. boils down to the decisions we make, the mindset we choose to be in and not being afraid to ask, ask for help or just, you know, just talking to somebody. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't get to that breaking point before you, uh, make the decision to, to ask for help. There's much easier ways. And Elise, I'm going to let you finish it out. Anything else you'd like to say? I mean, I just, um, I appreciate being here with you guys. It was awesome to discuss all of these things and get different perspectives. And I totally agree with what Ryan says. Just like everybody has problems that they're going through, that they're dealing with. And everyone deserves to feel happier and get better. And you don't have to like think of yourself as having a problem. Mm -hmm. Just think of yourself as deserving to live an awesome life and your kids to live an awesome life and your friends to live an awesome life. And if we can all just think about it that way, um, it's, I think it's easier to just go talk to someone and, and see if you can get some tools. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Do you ble- are you, are you a believer in karma? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I feel like we would go down a rabbit hole with, <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're hoping for all these good things for the people around you. I mean, I have to believe that, you know, it, what goes around comes around type thing, right? Uh, well, I mean, it just depends. (laughs) I mean, energetically, like there could be karma, but I don't necessarily believe that you, I mean, you could say there's karma. I think that there's reverberations from the universe Mm. of what you put out will be reflected back to you in one way or another. Yeah. What are, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? I'm available on any social medias, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook even, but don't contact me there because I'm never on there. Um, yeah, at Elise Michaels, M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S. It's spelled differently, spelled weird. And yeah, there it is. I'm there. Perfect. Perfect. And our last question, we ask all of our guests this question. Do you have a mantra that you live by? Every day of your life should be the best day of your life. Can't beat that. Oh, Cannot beat that. Right. Um, <laughs> Love it. like it. All right. Well, hey, Elise, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Great conversation. And uh, I can't wait for folks to uh, to hear this and, 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 and take everything from it that we've, that we've talked about. So thank you again. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. All right. That'll do it. Adding value and making friends. Thanks to our loyal friends of the program, just like Monson Engineering, for believing in us. Be sure to mention you're a geoholic when you reach out to any of our friends of the program for that VIP treatment. Sean knows what the VIP treatment is. Oh, yeah. Download all of our episodes on the Geoholics app from landsurveyorsunited.com. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. Last but not least, pay it forward. Add value, make friends. Do a lipa, as I say. We're good. Available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, make the world a better place. Most importantly, be safe and healthy.
Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com, North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com, ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, TopoDot, new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.